to the session on career strategies and building aptitudes with Habiba Islam. Habiba is going to start by giving a talk, and then we will have 30 minutes of Q&A. Uh, if you have questions during the talk, submit them on the Swapcard app and upvote your favorites. And I'd now like to introduce uh, our speaker, my colleague Habiba. Habiba is a member of the one-on-one team at 80,000 Hours where she does career advising calls. She previously served as the Senior Administrator for the Future of Humanity Institute and the Global Priorities Institute at Oxford. Before that, she qualified as a barrister and worked in management consulting, specializing in operations for public and third sector clients. Please join me in welcoming Habiba. Thanks, Arden. <clears throat> OK, so today I want to talk about career strategies because you're here at Effective Altruism Global, you want to use your career to do a bunch of good. But it's not always straightforward working out what that specifically means for your, your career choices. Um, after all, careers are multi-decade long things, uh, and you're probably going to have the most impact later on down the line. So your task is to work out how to get from A to B, where A is where you are right now, and B is something like ending factory farming or averting a catastrophic pandemic. So those are fantastic, ambitious goals. Um, and when you try and sort of think about how your career should work in relation to that, it's not obvious what you should be aiming to get to and what you should be doing right now to make sure that you're heading in the right direction. So I want to talk a bit about uh, career strategy. That's why I want to focus on that for this talk. And what I would like to, to sort of do is, uh, first of all, set out one kind of framework that you could use for this, focusing on so a sort of simplified version of just focusing on causes. And then I'm going to use that to contrast with the aptitude framework that you may have come across uh, from a post by Holden Karnofsky from Open Philanthropy earlier this year. And then I'm going to share some of my personal thoughts on the aptitude framework. I should flag that this is very much not official ATK opinion. This is Habiba's uh, own thoughts on this. Um, so on the official temperature scale of takes from cold to hot, I would say that this talk is it's kind of lukewarm. So this is a thing that I've thought about a bunch over the last few months. Um, it's very relevant to my job doing careers advising. Uh, but it's quite a hard area, I think, to have a lot of evidence-based uh, thoughts on. I'm pretty interested to hear a lot of different people's uh, views on this. So yeah, very much personal thoughts. OK. so. If you're thinking about career strategy, how do I get from A to B, one thing that you could do is sort of have a cause-focused framework here. Um, and I should flag that this, the thing I'm going to set out here is a kind of simplified version of what that might look like. I don't think anyone proposes something exactly like this. Uh, but it's worth saying that sort of some of 80,000 hours advice maybe has like a bit of this flavor. So here's the kind of like slightly caricatured, simplified version of what a cause-focused framework of thinking about careers would look like. So, What's the, um, the motivating idea? Well, you might think that your impact across the course of your career is determined by these three factors multiplied together. We've got the pressingness of the problem, the effectiveness of the opportunity, and then your personal fit for the specific role. And when you're thinking about each of these three things, maybe you think that the pressingness of the problem is the biggest deal, right? So if you hold everything else constant, you're going to get the biggest gains and impact by switching to a more effective uh, cause area or working on a more pressing problem than you would by, for example, switching to a role with like slightly better fit. 
And so if that's the way that you're thinking about impact, then you might want to zone in on this pressingness of the problem as the kind of the key part of your career planning. So then what might that look like in terms of what you do for your career strategy? Well, OK, you could start off with thinking about cause areas then. You sort of do some thinking, do some exploration, work out what do I think are the top cause areas to work on, and then maybe think backwards from that to the kinds of roles or paths that might be working on particular bottlenecks in that cause area. And then you've got sort of some short, some sort short list of kind of options. So like, say your, your thought is something like factory hard farming is the thing, roles that might work on, on this could be something like maybe there's like lawyers who can bring um, litigation to try and make progress on animal rights. Or maybe there's like nonprofits that are doing advocacy here. So you've got some sort of like short list of roles. And then how might you pick between these different roles? Well, kind of a combination of different factors, but ultimately probably what you're after is like pick one of these roles based on what seems like it's going to be like the biggest expected impact in, for, for me to like go down. Um, and then if you've got your kind of goal in mind, say you're like, okay, I'm going to try and become a lawyer, work on this like animal rights litigation stuff. Uh, what should I be doing between now and then when I'm doing a bunch of different, um, uh, when I'm having a bunch of impact? Well, perhaps the thing that you should be doing is like aim for that role, do all the things that are going to get you there as fast as possible. Go for law school, um, do a bunch of internships, that kind of thing. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, you don't get into the law school that you wanted, maybe you go back to step two and you like look at that list again and see what's the next best role that might be a really good fit that's like still aiming for this like ending factory farming kind of uh, cause. Okay, so that would be a kind of cause-focused way of thinking about um, like career planning, focusing on cause and then role, picking on impact and like aiming for that specific role. But that is not the only thing that you could do. Um, and some of you may have seen this post on the Effective Altruism Forum earlier this year from Holden Karnofsky, the CEO of Open Philanthropy, setting out an alternate framework for thinking about uh, career choice, which is kind of in contrast to this kind of like cause-focused thing. So I think the motivating thought that, uh, that Holden may have had is probably something like, hang on. <laughs> I'm not really sure that that's how people have actually like got to impactful roles. Like if I look around me and see like who's doing really amazing stuff, who's having like a ton of impact, what do they actually do to get to where they are? Well, they really actually just went and got really amazing at something, uh, something that they were great at. And then it like opened up a bunch of opportunities and they managed to get into like really impactful roles where now they're, they're like a grant maker at OpenPhil or they're like on the board of like OpenAI or, or something like that. And so maybe actually this kind of Course focus framework isn't like super useful in terms of getting to impact. Um, so he wrote a bit about this uh, in this post. Uh, and also there's a podcast with Rob Wibblem, uh, one of the 80,000 hours podcasts where he talks about this a bit more. Um, and so instead he proposes this kind of aptitude framework, uh, thinking about picking, uh, building a particular aptitude, getting really good at it, especially if you're early career. So let's just like dive into what does that actually look like? Um, so he doesn't define in the post what an aptitude is. So for the purpose of this talk, I'm going to use a definition that is something like an aptitude is like a, a cluster of behaviors or skills that you might have, maybe even some like natural dispositions that makes you particularly good at doing a specific thing. And some examples of aptitudes might be like helping organizations achieve their objectives or maybe evaluating claims against each other. So those are the kinds of things that you could be aiming to get really good at. And in Holden's post, he sets out nine different aptitudes that he thinks are particularly useful for people who have a long-termist worldview uh, to consider. So then 
how do you pick between these different uh, potential aptitudes that you could try and get good at? Well, Holden particularly in encourages people to use these couple of rules of thumb. Um, so one of them is like, do what you su you'll succeed at. Like, pick the thing that you could be like really amazing at. Um, and the other one is, you know, take your intuitions and your feelings seriously. Um, if you have some like misgivings about something, or there's like another one that you just like really feel actually like gut motivated that you, you just have so many great ideas for this particular area, like pay attention to that uh, and like use that to inform some of your decision making. Um, and then the thing that you should do is like go get really good at this aptitude once you've picked one. Okay, so the aptitude framework uh, looks like aptitude is the thing to focus on, not cause area, not a specific role, pick an aptitude uh, and pick between them based on this thing that you might call like personal fit. And maybe that's some combination of like proficiency in this particular aptitude, plus also this kind of like maybe some like gut level excitement about um, or motivation to do, to do really well at it. Um, and then the thing that you should do is this kind of career strategy is go get great at that aptitude. <laughs> like, that's your goal. Um, do, do as well as you possibly can at like building that kind of aptitude. And then later on down the line, you're going to try and like uh, apply it to have as much impact as possible. So what I want to do is go through each of these three pieces of the aptitude framework and share some thoughts on sort of uh, what I think about it, how strong this seems to be as like a career strategy. Are you with me so far? <laughs> OK, we've got nods in the room. Cool, so first piece, what to focus on? Should it be aptitude as the thing to focus on? Should we be taking more of this kind of like cause or role um, focused thing? Well, so I am very sympathetic to a lot of the reasons that I think Holden is, uh, is a lot of the places that Holden is coming from when he's thinking about this. So especially if you happen to be a long-termist, it is really hard to make predictions about what specific roles in like 40 years time are going to be really crucial for actually like reducing existential risk or something like we, we don't really have that great an idea right now about like what those specific roles might be. We've got some good guesses, um, but I think it, there's some use in being like somewhat humble about uh, about that and potentially like trying to do the thing that sets you up to be in like the best position across a bunch of different like possible uh, futures or something. Um, and then there's this also this piece around, well, if you look into the past about uh, look at the people who've had the most impact that you admire the most. How did they get to the position that they, uh, they got to where they were having a bunch of impact? I mean, chances are they didn't really come from an EA type mindset where they like thought about a problem in a specific bottleneck and then like really aimed for that particular role or path. This is like not a really common thing that people have done. And so we just don't really have very much evidence about whether this is actually going to be a really useful way of like getting people to, um, to really impactful roles or whether maybe it's just better that people sort of do the thing that has kind of has worked in the past, which is like people have just got really good at like really good at like a particular skill and it's opened a bunch of doors and then they've managed to have a bunch of impact. So I'm pretty sympathetic to a couple of those different reasons for thinking about aptitudes instead. But I have some reservations that I don't think this takes us all the way from focusing away from like cause area roles onto aptitudes in general. So one thing is that I just do think sometimes aiming at paths is useful. Um, so there are some specific guesses that we can make uh, about what might be useful in the future. And I think as a community, uh, it's really useful for like some people to make bets on those particular paths and other people can be sort of hedging a bit more and going for generally useful aptitudes. But it is really useful for like some people to start down the path of something that requires a lot of expertise to be built up and requires a lot of subject matter um, knowledge, like becoming an academic researcher in biosecurity policy or like aiming for uh, like a particular political position. 
Um, and I think Holden and I probably don't disagree on this. I think that uh, he thinks that it's really useful to go for academic research or some of these political positions. But what's going on here is that he's got them in the framework, but they're kind of they're kind of classed as sort of um, like specific aptitudes. There's like an aptitude for academic research. There's an aptitude for like political and bureaucratic aptitudes. Um, so I kind of think that those are sort of paths in aptitude clothing. Um, is that a problem? Is this just semantics? Um, is it actually like if the aptitude framework covers off these paths, uh, is there actually a problem here? Well, I think I would go one step further and say that, you know, if we actually want people to go, go for some of these specific paths, if you're trying to do that, then I think some of the most useful careers advice for you is going to be more path specific. It's going to be about what are the specific institutions? Who are the people that I need to know? What's the well-trodden route for people aiming for this specific path? And I think Glossing this in aptitude terms is probably a little bit unhelpful and a bit distracting for some of those specific parts. So that's one thing. I think you know, aptitude is like one good direction you could go in, but also I think like the parts and making these guesses on longer-term roles is actually pretty useful. Another thing is, you know, even if you're aiming to get this sort of generally get into a generally really useful position for the future. Aptitude is one type of career capital, as we call it 8,000 hours. So there are other types of career capital too that I think are not easily contained within the aptitude framework. Uh, it's like a little unclear whether it includes like subject matter knowledge, but it probably doesn't include things like building your network or gaining other resources, like earning a bunch of money so that it puts you in a better position. Um, and I do think that, that this other career capital is really valuable, certainly for some specific parts. Um, and you might think, uh, that if you focus on aptitude, a bunch of these other useful bits of career capital will come along with them. Uh, and so you can just focus on the aptitude and not worry about the other stuff. I think that might take you some of the way, but I think sometimes there's going to be a trade-off between are you focusing on like networking and getting to know the people who are going to be really useful contacts of the future, or are you going to aim for a job where you're going to build a bunch of skills that are going to be really useful? And sometimes those trade-offs do exist, uh, and I think it's uh, by focusing just on aptitude, I think this is a simplification that sort of misses some of the nuance that could be really relevant for people's career decisions. And then lastly, it's a little unclear to me, I think, how the aptitude framework interacts with cause choice um, and thinking about your worldview. So uh, as you may have noticed, Holden's post is specifically aimed at people who already have a long-termist worldview. Uh, one of the reasons for that, I think, is that it seems particularly hard to make these predictions for uh, if you have a long-termist worldview about what's going to be really useful later down the line. Maybe you're able to make better predictions in, in sort of other, with other cause areas. Um, so if the thought is something like, do the worldview thinking first. Once you've got a sense of like roughly what you think are kind of comparable cause areas, then you can switch on to the, like, the thinking about the aptitudes that might be useful for that particular cause area, and then off you go. And if that's the case, then I think that seems basically fine to me. Um, but if instead, I think there's like a suggestion that the aptitude framework is particularly useful because even if you change worldview, even if you change your, your mind on which cause areas are important, the aptitudes are going to stand you in good stead uh, anyway, and you're going to be able to make a sort of switch later on. Now, if that's part of the message that's going on with the aptitude framework, I think I have more hesitation about whether that's actually as good an idea as like general careers advice in the, for people in the effective altruism community. And I think this is because of that formula that we saw before. I think that like, co the cause choice can really be the biggest determinant of impact. 
Um, and I think a lot of people, especially the people that I talk to in advising, I think the message that, uh, that seems really useful for them to hear is like, spend a bit of time thinking about what you think is actually more important. If some things are 100 times more impactful than others, that's a really big deal in your, your cause choice. And so focusing on aptitude to the detriment of that message, I think could be like encourage people to like pay less attention to cause choice, which would be a shame. Okay, so that's point number one. Should we focus on aptitude? Roughly, I'm not completely sold that it's, it's good enough to switch completely in that direction, but I think there's some, uh, some merit to this. The second point was this kind of how to pick between your different options. And uh, I think this is not crucial to using an aptitude framework, but it is part of kind of Holden's advice, is like pick based on personal fit, like pay a lot of attention to what you could be really good at and what you can be really excited about. So there are a ton of reasons why you should pay attention to personal fit. The chance of success in your particular career path is super important. So obviously, if you do better at your job, you're going to be having more impact. And this is like even more important if you happen to be uh, aiming for a particular field where success is unevenly distributed and the people who are the very best in their field have like a particularly large share of the impact. In that case, fit is super important and you should definitely pay attention to trying to do the thing that you're going to really succeed at. And on top of that, enjoyment is really important. Like I said, your career is this many decades long thing. You want to pick something that you can thrive at, that you can have sustainable motivation for a long period of time, uh, that you're going to want to be doing, getting up uh, every day to go and do. Uh, and I think there are cases in you know, the EA community where people have uh, taken roles that they aren't as excited about because it seemed like there was a community demand and it hasn't worked out very well with people being burned out and, and unhappy and that wasn't good for them and it also wasn't even good from an impact perspective as well. So there are definitely many people I think who are probably listening to this talk who could do well to get this message even stronger. Like paying attention to your personal fit is a really important consideration when you're making uh, choices about longer term paths. But that said, I think this is the piece of the aptitude framework that I have the most concerns about. Um, so in part, I think one of my biggest concerns is that this kind of focus on excitement or interest can lead people away from making the, the best decision on impact, I think. Um, so uh, I, I come across cases where people are thinking about, you know, should I do the sort of maths research that I've like, I've always really been excited about this kind of theoretical math stuff. It seems really like fun and interesting. Or I could kind of pivot into doing something a bit more like mathematical modeling, which might help with like pandemics or something. And when people are making those kinds of choices, I think those are hard choices. I don't know, don't pretend that I know exactly what's the right answer for them to do in their specific case. But I am excited about people uh, paying attention to what seems like it's going to have the most impact in their career and not just which thing that they have the most kind of like gut level excitement for. Um, and I, I think that this kind of focus on impact uh, is like an important cultural value for the EA community at large. I think I would be sad if we moved more towards kind of a message of like do things that you can be really successful at rather than like do the thing that you think is going to have the most impact. Um, in large part because I think that that's like instrumentally useful for encouraging us to have more impact. But I also just think that the entire rest of the world is just trying to do things that they're good at. Um, one of the things I really value about the EA community is like people are actively trying to make decisions on trying to help the world as much as they can. So that's one thing that I uh, feel a little bit more concerned about in this kind of framing. And then also there's this other piece that sort of, you know, picking between different things based on personal fit can be really useful for some people, but I just think it's not that decisive for other people. So for some people, they have what you might call like a spiky skill set. You know, there's some things that they're really good at uh, and they're just like obviously way more excited and way better at that thing than they are at other things. 
But then, uh, and those for those people, I think, you know, this kind of advice is just like tailor-made and I can understand why the aptitude framework really resonates with them. But I think there are other people who have a more rounded skill set, who can sort of see themselves doing a bunch of different things, don't tend to see their motivation like massively change between different types of activity. Maybe it's just like more dominated by, you know, the type of organization and the colleagues that they're working with. And it's not really to do with the aptitude, uh, their like sort of motivation and working hard. Um, and so I think for those kinds of people, this kind of this message of, you know, pick the longer term path based really strongly on personal fit is actually just not going to give them that much useful information. Uh, and so it would do better to sort of focus a bit more on some of the other like, you know, what's the expected uh, value of this path in general. Um, I think I would put myself in this category. And often when I talk to people with like similarish backgrounds, who've done kind of consulting and who've like done stuff that like, you know, was you were working for the man and like, doing something that wasn't that aligned with your motivations, but worked really hard at it anyway. I think people in that kind of situation often end up feeling a bit like this. Um, that's my guess. Um, so that's the, sorry, I'm over back. Uh, that's the sort of my thoughts on how to pick between uh, different options. I think for a lot of people, like a lot of people could stand to hear a bit more, you know, pay, pay attention to personal fit. It's really important. But for a lot of people, I think maybe this is not quite the most useful or most helpful advice. Um, okay, and then the last, the last bit, this sort of part three, what should your career strategy be uh, along the way? Uh, and the aptitude framework says, once you pick your aptitude, go get great at that aptitude. And this is the bit that I think I like the most about it. I think it's really, uh, as Holden says, it's, it's action guiding. You know, it's often quite hard to know what specific thing you should be doing to try and get yourself in a position for a role many decades down the line. But it is a lot easier for you to tell, like, how can I get good at this specific skill? You know, there's like colleagues and an organization around you that are probably going to be helping you and like uh, uh, do that kind of thing. It also can be just like particularly motivating as like uh, professional development goals. So I think it's great on that uh, respect. And then also, as a community, I think it's really good for us to be valuing people doing this skill building. We really need people who are very good at things, and it takes a while to build up those that skills. Um, I do think that you know not all of the most important roles for having an impact are sort of within EA organizations, and certainly the places that are best to learn skills are not always in EA organizations. And we need people to go and like get really good at stuff and bring those skills uh, to bear on like impactful issues. And so the extent to which you know this aptitude framework. Uh, gives like community support and validation for going and doing that skill building. I think that's a great thing. I think my quibbles here are more a little bit about framing. So in the original post, uh, Holden talks a bit about uh, aiming to become world class. Now I think people vary on this. Like some people find this framing of like go be world class at something to be really inspirational and a great ambitious goal, and that's great. Uh, but for some people, I think this is just really off-putting. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of people suffer from imposter syndrome, and I really don't want to put people off with this, like, emphasis on being world-class. I think that you can still have ambitious goals that are maybe framed in, like, slightly different ways. Like, personally, I think I would find uh, an ambitious goal framed in terms of, like, aim to get to work at this place or in this kind of role to be a bit more, like, similarly ambitious, but not quite as off-putting. Um, so, I would say that this is not a crucial part of the framework, though. I think the general message is not like you have to become world class. It's more like go get better at it than you are right now. Go get as good as you can personally get at the thing. And in which case, that seems good. And then lastly, I think I just do want to float that uh, you know different career strategies are important at different points in your career. Uh, so at ATK, we sort of have this like three-part framework of uh, 
the different kinds of career stages that you might find yourself at. So, you know, early on, you might want to focus on exploration to just chest out a few different things and work out what you're good at. And then you might want to get to this stage where you, okay, invest pretty hard in your skill sets and like aim for a particular thing. And then at some point, you want to cash it in, deploy those skills, do a bunch of good, like start working on direct impact. And so roughly you might think of these as like things that you do chronologically at different stages, but they will always be a bit of a mix of these different priorities at any point. And so you might want to stay, keep your, um, stay alert to opportunities, keep your eyes out for opportunities to sort of deploy your skills like maybe earlier than you might think. Um, so like uh, you also might want to make sure that you, you do a bunch of exploration before you specifically focus on one particular aptitude and, and don't neglect that as well. The, the sort of go get great at the, at the thing um, is very much focused on this kind of invest stage, which is roughly what most people should be doing kind of early career, which is what the, uh, Holden's aptitude framework is particularly aimed at. So I think it's great, but I just want to point out that you, don't, you don't definitely want to not neglect exploring early on. Don't like uh, double down too quickly on a particular thing that just happens to be the one thing that you've done at university that you liked. Definitely explore a bit, then go get great a bit, and then do make sure that you look out for opportunities to use those skills maybe earlier than you might think. Um, and I do often sort of talk to people who are, uh, have experience in the wide world and, and sort of try and uh, often try and tell them how uh, useful the skills are that they've already built up and how they can, you know, can start using them sooner than they might think. Okay, so those are the three parts. Where does that leave us overall? Well, what to focus on? I think like Aptitudes are a pretty useful thing, but I think sometimes we also want to like not lose focus on sometimes the specific path is a useful thing to frame, uh, to focus on. Um, and I'm particularly keen to not lose as much kind of community focus on like cause choice being an important part of career planning. Uh, and then how to pick between different things. This is just really hard to give general advice to everyone on, right? Um, I think for some people, you really want to pay more attention to personal fit than you are already. And some people, maybe you want to like de-emphasize that a little bit and you've got to work out what is right for you. Um, but my biggest concern is perhaps this like focus on the, the, the sense to which focusing on personal fit is like emphasizing this, like focusing on your motivation or your interest and whether that might lead away from impact. And then lastly, what career strategy? Yeah, I kind of particularly like this sort of explore, invest, do good or deploy uh, kind of framework that we have. So I guess like closing thought is something like, um, it's pretty hard to get a framework that covers absolutely everything and like works for absolutely everyone. I think um, one of the things that Holden talks about is that it just seems useful to try on different frameworks for size and see what works for you. So I think if you haven't already uh, checked these things out, I definitely recommend people checking out 80,000 hours, um, web resources on career planning, and also checking out Holden's um, aptitudes framework post and seeing what seems like it might uh, be useful for you and what kind of seem like good takeaways. Cool. Thank you very much. And I'm gonna just gonna sit down and uh, Arden's gonna come back on stage and we're gonna do a Q&A now. All right, thanks a lot, Habiba. Um, so yeah, let's jump into questions. Please submit, uh, some people have already started and let's get started. Um, so you mentioned that people with these sort of uh, spiky skill profiles um, might be especially well-suited to following this aptitudes framework. Is there anything else we can say about who the aptitudes framework might be most useful for? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it's like aimed at early career and then the specific type of uh, like um, profile or something. I think the spiky 
frame spiking skill set seems pretty good. Maybe there's something a bit something someone was talking to me a bit about was like uh, maybe there are some of the big five personality traits that might like um, track to some of these things. So like maybe people who are particularly high on conscientiousness are like particularly good at just like working in you know uh, large organizations where like not all the work is like super fun, but you like work really hard at it anyway. And so maybe that they might want to focus particularly more on the sort of cause focused stuff rather than the aptitude framework. But those are these are just some some speculative guesses at the moment. Yeah, um, I had this thought that does it does it vary by cause area that people are convinced are most pressing? So if maybe if like some cause areas, there's a little bit more certainty about which roles might be highest impact than others. In which case, like it might make more sense to focus on the role framework for those. Yeah, that does. That's a great point. I think that. For example, if you're a long-termist and you think that AI is a really big deal, like becoming a technical AI safety researcher is probably one of the best things that we can think of. Uh, that actually seems like we definitely want a sizable portion of people doing that. And so, if that is your view, then this sort of like uh, path focused might be particularly valuable there. I also do think that with some of the near-term focused things, it's maybe just a bit clearer about what seem like valuable um, positions to go for. Uh, if you're interested in fact in like you know uh, animal welfare or global poverty. There's like an ecosystem there. There are existing roles out there that you could maybe aim for. So, but I know I think I would I know less about those. Cool. So, a uh, question from the audience: um, How good are our guesses about which aptitudes will or won't be valuable in, say, ten years? Um, and then maybe compare and contrast that with uh, our guesses about roles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, I think it is easier to make a guess on like generalist aptitudes or skill sets, like broad clusters of skill sets, because you just don't have to narrow things down too far. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think it's quite like it's maybe a bit easier to do best guesses, um, but uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Like it's a good question. Like maybe it's actually just as hard to make guesses on like what kinds of aptitudes are going to really cash out as it is about specific roles. But there's something about you've got to predict kind of like what what kinds of organizations are going to be, what kind of demand is there going to be, what like specific yeah working practices are going to like mean that specific roles are like more or less in demand. So I do think it is like a bit harder to do the uh, the path focused predictions. I feel like I've. What was the specific question again? Uh, I guess it was how good are our guesses in each case. I think you said they're better in the case of aptitudes. You think? Yeah, I think that was my, um, that was my answer. Thank you, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm, I was thinking about this because this, this question came in early, so I was looking at it. And mm -hmm. um, I think, could, could it be just that like some aptitudes seem like or like sets of skills seem like they've been useful for a really long time. So like people management, organization building, that kind yeah. of thing. Maybe just like general sort of like uh, entrepreneurialism, that sort of that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I guess it like does feel like there are some that we know are like pretty useful. Whereas maybe roles are more often in flux, change more over time. That sounds right. There's just fewer aptitudes, I think. Like you know, if you tried to list them all, there'd be fewer than the number of roles. Like, you know, you might expect them to. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's like a, I guess there's a risk that you miss some really like niche skill sets that are just going to be really important. Um, if everyone's going and getting like, I'm just generally good at like running a team and like managing people, but then it turns out you actually just really needed a lot of like specific expertise in synthetic biology or something. Um, and like, yeah, it's quite hard to make those predictions uh, that far out, which is kind of why I'm, yeah, I'm also excited about people doing, you know, exploration and like cause X and, and things like that as well. And in some ways, people need to kind of like, Commit to these like slightly more niche things uh, in order to get better guesses about what the future might hold. 
Yeah, I'm reminded of, um, you know, not very long ago, people started talking a lot about how, or a bit about how, like, oh, we really wish there were more EA historians. Um, and it seems like that's the kind of thing, like, that was sort of like history research, like, feels like a bit distinct from other aptitudes that people might be building. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, a bit hard to predict. So it's obviously not like you always know what's going to be useful in the future, even mm -hmm. on the aptitudes side of things. Turns out predicting the future is hard. <laughs> that's the take home method. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of like exploring different aptitudes, do you have any just thoughts, advice for how people can explore different aptitudes, and how might that differ from advice on exploring different career paths? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. So I guess I'm thinking in my head about someone who's like doing their undergrad and is thinking, or maybe in the first couple of years of work, and they're thinking about what to do. Um, so like when you're in when you're at undergrad, it's a great time to do a bit of like something like research, something like internships at different companies or organizations, and also do things that are sort of student run, like running, uh, volunteering or like community building or something like that, which gives you a chance to do sort of leadership type things. So I think a lot of the sort of standard things that you might try um, give you a chance to try out a few different types of aptitudes. Um, yeah, for some of the specific roles, I think that is just going to depend on which ones are in your shortlist. And then there's just, I think there's just more specific advice for some of those specific, uh, specific um, roles and like what that might look like. Um, yeah, maybe my, my general advice is something like, yeah, while you're studying is a particularly good time to do a lot of this stuff because you have like chance to do internships and things like that in your summer holidays and or other holidays uh, and you have like a bunch of flexibility around your time. It starts getting harder and harder, I think, to make time to do this kind of thing when you're like doing specific, do, when you're working. Um, but you can try and, you know, see if you can shape your role a little bit more um, to, to sort of, yeah, to take on different responsibilities or things like that. Um, yeah. yeah, I wonder if like, um, so here's an instinct I have, I don't know if it's right, uh, that like it's easier to test out aptitudes in like bite-sized chunks or something. Like if you're out of, you're, you're, you know, you have some role and you say like, hey, can I take on that one project or can I like start, I want to move toward like trying to manage people or something like without even changing job. Mm -hmm. Whereas maybe it would be a little bit, uh, or like maybe you're a student and you take a class and like, you know, do something technical and you're like, oh, do I have an aptitude for this kind of technical work? Maybe you can test that out before you can test out roles. Yeah, although on the flip side, I do think that insofar as some paths or roles requires uh, like knowledge and like an interest in engaging with a particular topic, that actually seems like some of the lowest cost things to test. Mm. Uh, I think it's like easier to like try reading some papers and see if this is like interesting to you than it is to actually like take on a whole project and like trying to do things. Um, and so that makes that a little easier. It's a little easier to test kind of like different um, sort of subject matter domains or something. Um, yeah. I think one thing I'm a little nervous about in terms of people trying out aptitudes is this like, yeah, not exploring enough because uh, I think it's very easy to misattribute how much you're enjoying something or how good you are at it to like a whole host of other things that are going on in terms of like how the rest of your life is going and like what your particular boss is like. And so I really don't want people to sort of like have tried out doing like one time tried running an event and be like, that was that was terrible. Um, never going to do that again. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think committing to something for a bit longer or like trying it out in different uh, situations is is actually really useful. So I guess like the earlier you can start exploring, the better. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. So maybe the thing that I said could even be like a misconception that needs to be battled a bit, <laughs> like where you can, oh, yeah, I can, I can see if I have this event running aptitude or, you know, this sort of maybe opsy aptitude just by trying this out one time. Mm -hmm. Whereas with roles, it's sort of more obvious that you need to like 
you know, you really have to go do it. Like, you never, you never expect to be like, well, I explored this role because I yeah. spent one day doing something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe it gives you like a false sense of confidence that you can have tried an aptitude very quickly when I'm not sure that you can. I think like I did consulting for four years. I really struggled in the first few years of being like, am, am I good at this? Like, I'm mm. not really sure what's going on here. And it took a while for me to like, it's just quite different from like studying at university where you get like marks and um, objective feedback about whether you're doing the right thing or not. And it took me a while to get used to like, okay, yeah, no, this is like, I am good at this and these ways and yeah get on really good projects and stuff I think um, it would have been I would it would have been correct incorrect for me to have like uh, concluded pretty early that like oh, I'm not really good at this opsy thing all right this question uh, it seems like the kind of thing that uh, one would want to do one's homework about first so you, you can you feel free to pass but um, somebody asked uh, whether you can recommend any resources for rapid aptitude development or methods that uh, we can use to develop aptitudes really effectively so I guess this is things like courses, readings, videos, any other thing like that come to mind? Yeah, nothing particularly that seems like really good. I think we do have a really nice article on how to find your strengths on the 80,000 hours website, which is particularly like has a bunch of different exercises that you can do for uh, like getting a sense of like uh, which things energize you uh, and that kind of thing. Um, so I guess that's like a good first starting point for identification. Uh, but then for like actual development of a specific aptitude, I mean Holden's post has like a few like a few lines on each one uh, about like things that you can be doing, um, uh, which at least sets you off in hopefully the right direction. But I imagine there's just like more specific resources out there that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. Yeah, I'm sure it's also like some probably take a lot more investment to build than others. Like I'm thinking the sort of management type thing. It's like well you can't. It's I think that's yeah. the kind of thing you need like a bunch of time to like try out and. Uh, yeah, whereas maybe things like um, things that are more technical or more just like very like specific skill based, you might be able to develop more quickly. Yeah, I do think management is an interesting one because I think you could at university get a chance to like run a team. Uh, whereas then when you enter the working world, it might take you a bit longer to get to a level of seniority where you can manage people. Although managing a team of volunteers is like much harder than managing employees who are paid to be there. Um, so that's one thing. But I think there are some other, there are aptitudes like these political and bureaucratic aptitudes, which is just, it's just gonna be really hard to work out whether you're good at navigating the, the DC policy world until you're, you're kind of there. But so you can do some sort of like summer in DC programs or like, but you need to probably get some, some experience in the world first before you can conclude things. Cool. Um, so based on your experience in advising, uh, do you have a sense of which aptitudes are particularly in demand right now in effective mm. altruism or elsewhere? I mean, I slightly would defer to Ben Todd's talk yesterday about the state of EA, but I think that this kind of the people who are could really handle like running like a mega project, something that um, has the budget of like bigger than 80,000 hours or something can run something really ambitious. That's like a relatively rare skill set for people to have in the EA community already. And this is the kind of thing that you just need to have gone out in the real world and had like a bunch of experience like running big things for that. Um, so that seems great. Um, yeah, I think the like yeah uh, skills in kind of navigating um, yeah political bureaucracies, particularly somewhere like the U.S. government, seems like um, seems particularly yeah in demand. It's like a bit of a place to slightly different um, skill sets than uh, than might be like common elsewhere in EA. I think particularly like for, for you know navigating like running for office or something like that seems like a thing that I'm excited for more people to consider. Um, yeah, other things, I guess like grant makers is the other thing that's on like Ben's post. Um, yeah, do you think there's anything else? Um, I guess this is kind of a, kind of a version or like a broader version of the first thing, but entrepreneurship and sort of like the ability to like build 
products and teams and run things sort of pretty independently, mm -hmm. I think is something that it seems like is like very much in the water as something we wish we had more of. Yeah. And then there's other things where sort of it seems like a bunch of people have this aptitude, but like uh, don't realize how in demand it is. So for example, a lot of the AI safety companies that are starting or scaling up right now really, really need like good programmers and ML engineers. Oh, yeah. uh, and this is actually like, we have a bunch of programmers in the EA community, but maybe people need to, uh, people don't realize how much that particular aptitude actually is in demand right now. Yeah, and I do think that feels more recent to me. Um, maybe, I'm not exactly sure how that happened, if like the work changed and like it was more, more people were needed for this, or if it was like, a, something about like, oh, people started switching out of like software engineering uh, in, into other things and now we need more software engineers. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. I think uh, my guess is that, you know, there's been a bunch of interest in starting up a bunch of new things and so then a few thing, new things have started and when they're new, they need to like hire a bunch more people in uh, and there's like ambition more about scaling. But I think there's also a little bit of like uh, interest in creating opportunities that a lot of people can uh, get involved in given this like recognition of the fact this is like a skill set that is out there. All right, um, cool. This is a somewhat different topic. Mm -hmm. um, so someone asks, as the EA movement gets bigger, will a greater proportion of EAs need to follow the aptitude framework as cause-specific roles are somewhat limited and should eventually get filled by talented EAs? What an interesting question. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure I've thought about this long enough to have uh, an informed answer. Um, hmm. Uh, yeah, how do I think that things might go in the future? I mean, I sort of expect the median age of EA to be like creeping up ever so slightly. And so I slightly expect that uh, we'll have more and more people who have like been developing aptitudes who are like switching more into this like deploy or do good stage. Like I sort of feel like like I'm an example of someone who's on like the first, the crest of that. Like I went off and did consulting, like in part because of 80,000 hours advice and like flexible career capital back in the day, and then have switched over the last few years into sort of working for meta organizations. Um, so I, in some ways I feel a little bit like the aptitude emphasis is going to be uh, uh, a little less pressing for the community because like by naturally people will have hopefully have done a bunch of this skill building already and so we'll have a bigger pool of people with like a broad range of skill sets. Um, yeah, I don't um, see, I, I kind of feel like our predictions on like uh, roles that seem worth having is just like, I don't see what, like I feel like that's just always, we're always gonna be like looking ahead and like making new predictions about what's gonna be like new roles that are gonna be valuable in the future. Yeah, I actually have an instinct that I think this is uh, in the same direction as what you said, that it will go the other way. Mm -hmm. So um, I think at least, okay, I guess in a good case, right? Like it could go yes. off the rails, but uh, in a good case, people would, um, as people explore more areas and people try things out, they see if it works, they see if it doesn't, as people do more career um, research, there'll be more of a sense of which roles are higher impact. And so then we should expect there to be an expanding set of roles as opposed to a shrinking one. Although, I mean, it depends on how fast the EA community grows as well. So and, I'm not sure. And it also, I think, depends on like whether we like discover some whole new area that we yeah. like just have been mass massively under investing in and suddenly there are like a bunch of new things that we need people to like train up in or something like yeah. that. So that could just like shift things pretty drastically. I guess also how successful the sort of push for entrepreneurship and mega projects is, right? Mm. If that's really successful, then that should open up a lot more roles. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I guess it seems to depend on a lot of things. Maybe it's like, um, it feels like in order for a lot more roles to open up, like a bunch of stuff needs to happen. Whereas like we know that like we can always be building aptitudes. So there's something a bit more robust feeling about it. And I, I feel like 
I'm not sure, you know, I don't want to misattribute, but I feel like that's part of what's behind the, the question a bit. It's like, well, like, I don't know what's going on with that role stuff, but like this, like, mm -hmm. we, can, we can all do this mm -hmm. um, or something like that. Does that sound right to you? I think I do find that appeal of the aptitude framework. And again, I think when you take the sort of portfolio approach, looking at across the A community, what do we want different people to be doing? It just seems kind of good for some people to be having these like slightly more hedged kind of generalist aptitudes. We're going to be able to rely on these people to be able to like run organizations in the future. But I think we also do want like some of this emphasis on the uh, yeah on the the role stuff as well. And I, yeah, yeah, it's hard to tell how it's gonna how that balance is gonna go in the future though. I think it's also hard to tell what I think the correct balance is right now. To be clear, yeah. I also feel like, so this is like cause specific roles. Um, and I feel like that's like a slightly confused. So it's like uh, if you're something like a, a fundraiser or a, a people manager or something like that, um, it's like you might be doing that while really focused on a particular cause, working in an organization that mm -hmm. is focused on that cause. And so in that sense, you're, you're not really, you're kind of working with the cause framework because maybe you like chose that cause and then you decided like, now I know what it needs. The bottleneck is like uh, people to build things. So I'm going to go do that. Mm -hmm. um, and yet it's not, in, it's not sort of like the kind of role that doesn't appear in other <laughs> cause areas. So in that sense, it's not cause specific. Yep. Um, yeah, maybe those kinds of things. That's like part of where these two frameworks start to blur together. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah, a little. I think um, there are also some like very, yeah, it's, I think, okay, so I think that people who have this kind of like aptitude and like this very generalist skill set have the luxury of choice in that they just can work on like lots of different things often. And like I'm in that bucket in that like I just haven't had to particularly uh, like come down hard on one particular like uh, area. Um, yeah, and it does mean that you are more able to sort of be like a bit neutral about where you might go in the future. Um, but uh, the knowledge is really valuable when you are working on a core specific area, but it is, yeah. Yeah, thanks for rescuing my terrible question. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> um, okay, somebody asks, mm -hmm. uh, very simple, how can you tell if you're kicking ass at something? <laughs> um, yeah, so again, I would defer to Holden's post. He like has some like, so one of the things that's really good about it is it is like focused on trying to be action guided. He's like, this is the aptitude, this is what it looks like. This is the kind of the way that you can tell if you're on track. Um, I guess some like general things are, you know, are you getting good feedback from colleagues or people around you? Uh, do you seem to be, um, yeah, like developing a reputation, I think is like particularly a good. So one of the things I didn't go into in tons of detail is that one of the reasons Holden gives for why being really successful is actually very valuable is because um, it's not like, say for example, uh, the difference between like a good programmer and a great programmer. The person who's a great programmer, they're better at doing the programming, but then they're also like well known for being like a great programmer and so other people will be like hey have you heard of x they're like really good and like uh then further opportunities will be like opened up um so like maybe you might be able to tell if that kind of thing is happening to you a little mm. bit like do you tend to get ref yeah people like often pass you on to other folks or sort of recommend you for stuff i guess speaking of that another good thing about uh yeah just being really exceptional at your job is like you can turn out you can like become sort of somebody who uh is helpful for creating the network because mm. you can be like oh i can tell that this person has that thing that mm -hmm. will be helpful with this other person I mean, maybe that's a separate skill but it feels like it would go along with just being like really kick-ass at something yeah um and that's sort of like a positive externality or something for yeah. the community as a whole 
Yeah, I do actually think it is. It is relatively relatively easy to tell how good you are at your job. I think like there are just they just tend to be in organizations like a ton of like feedback mechanisms and performance、um, management mechanisms and things.、Uh, and you should have a manager who hopefully is able to give you feedback and like colleagues and things like that.、Um, maybe it's a bit harder if you're working by yourself.、Um, but yeah, that it actually this is one of the one of the good points is like it tends to be relatively easy to tell. I think if you are doing good at the thing, if you're if you're good at the thing that you're doing. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, you sort of caveated this、uh, in the way that I want to, but a bit more. Which I think, like,、uh, if you're working at a well-run organization,、okay. then it's like, <laughs> yeah, like easy to tell if you're doing well. Yeah, that's true. Because、um, you get lots of feedback and so on. But、mm. I think a lot of, well, I don't know. I, my sense is that、uh, a lot of organizations and and things like academia, which are like pretty light on the management,、mm-hmm. it might be a lot harder to tell.、Um, Which, that's a good caveat. In which case, I guess you have to just like seek it out or try to like test it for yourself or like ask people and be like, no, really, yeah, tell me.、Um, yeah, that seems good. Yeah. yeah, in that kind of in the article that I mentioned about how to work out your strengths, yeah, one of the things that we suggest is like, you know, ask for feedback from a a bunch of people who know your work well to try and get a like, you know, triangulate different results about what you might be good at. All right. All right.、Um, So okay, here's another question, another slight pivot.、Um, is it possible that getting impressive roles is even more important than getting roles that build aptitudes? So maybe coming across as impressive is the best way to become influential. This person suggests. I think that's a really interesting、uh, question. So we have this another eighty thousand hours thing that we have is this like anonymous advice series, and some people have quite different instincts on this. Like some people really emphasize getting really good at the thing. Some people really emphasize the like making sure people know you and know that you're really good at the thing.、Uh, some people specifically kind of like yeah would de-emphasize the like making your CV like look cool and more emphasize the like making sure you've got really Robust skills, but I think this is quite dependent on the field. And like sometimes, you know, having name brand companies, having like、uh, like be able to talk about,、um, yeah, like a really like high prestige position that you've been in sounds really good.、Um, Yeah, there's a there's a person who shall remain nameless who was on a path to becoming like economics,、uh, do economics research, and they turned down an opportunity to be in the Obama administration、uh, because it wasn't really like on their track for like becoming a really good economics researcher. And maybe this is the kind of time where that's like maybe even if it wasn't the particular aptitude that they were trying to build or something, that would have been sufficiently impressive that it was actually、yeah. worthwhile taking as a career step. Worth a bit of opportunism yeah. there.、Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I would guess that it's also more important in fields where there are larger numbers of people and people have to depend more on like generic impressiveness signals. Do you know what I mean?、Mm-hmm. So like if you're like working in like、uh, AI technical safety, it's like a small world. Like maybe you know、um, you can show people your work more easily,、mm-hmm. or like.、Uh, More people know one another. Whereas if you're in policy or politics, it's like, well, there's like established mechanisms of like showing people that you're good at stuff, and you better do those mechanisms, or else like nobody's going to listen to you. Yeah, yeah,、um, yeah. That makes sense. And there, there are certain. I can imagine that you could do just as good work at like、um, smaller firms or something with less a、uh, name recognition. You could be doing just as like really interesting and valuable like day-to-day work as in like a really famous, well-known company. But when people are you know looking at your CV or something, like maybe they might pay more like. Be more,、uh, get, pay you more attention if they sort of like recognize one of the names. This is just, this is just really dependent on different、um, fields, and like in some fields it's just like not that big a deal, but in some fields it might be more of a bigger deal. Okay, so going back to this sort of like comparison between the different frameworks,、um, it seems like the path-focused framework is going to be more important 
if there are sometimes paths that are way more high impact than others, but use the same skills and are in the same cause area, right? So like where the sort of, or by skills, I mean, this sort of cluster of skills and, and, and knowledge that aptitudes is supposed to refer to, um, such that the aptitude framework might not lead you to one over the other. Mm -hmm. um, how often do you think that's the case in the real world? Yeah, so maybe as an example here, something like you could have like an organization running aptitude, um, but maybe it's like more valuable to use that starting up a new project than just going to work at like some like massive organization or something. Is that the kind of thing that we're pointing at? Yeah, so like I'm imagining, all right, let's say you already think the cause area that you, the cause area you think is most pressing is bio risk. Um, and you're doing uh, research and like that's the aptitude and sort of maybe like, yeah, it's like really in-depth research, but like one path is like doing that and trying to like uh, show it to policymakers or something. And the other is like doing it in academia. And maybe one of those is much more high impact than the other. Mm -hmm. um, in which case, uh, if, that's, if that was the case, then maybe the path framework would be more important to pay attention to there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that does seem plausible in uh, a bunch of different cases. I think like research is just like, yeah, I do think that like having an aptitude for like academic style research mm. is just like clustering a ton of stuff into there. And there is a lot more differentiation. Um, and one of that different, one of those ways of differentiating this might be like the particular thing that you're aiming to do with your research and like who your audience is. Um, yeah, whether you're aiming to, you know, is your sort of, is your theory of change here that you're trying to do really excellent research and get like other academics interested in what you're doing and like build the field? Or is it that you're just like trying to do like really rigorous academic style research, but like get to the right answers and like you don't really care about publishing that in a great journal. You just want to like get the ideas out there. Um, or is it that you want to like actually interface a bunch with like policymakers and so you want to be have pretty close connections? Like all of these, yeah, like might be different flavors of, I mean, I mean some of them use slightly different skills, but they are slightly different um, focused uh, parts. So I think that, yeah, I'm not sure about how common this is overall, um, but it definitely does seem like, at least the example that you point to around academic research, it does feel like there are different, there are going to be like different sub, different sub parts here. Um, and like maybe this is relates to kind of what your theory of, theory of impact might be. All right, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to take a moment to read the new questions here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Yeah, and if you do have uh, favorites of the questions, then you can like upvote them to help Arden's job out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will try and think of other paths where I think, other like aptitudes where I think there might be like differentiations between paths. I do think that's a really good question. I don't think I've thought about this enough. Um, yeah, the organization building was like another one that came to mind. Um, I guess like if you're going for like government, then the, you know, governments are huge. There are tons of different like departments or roles that might be doing more or less useful things that all kind of like are in the same cluster of aptitudes. Um, I guess I'm like defaulting to the, the aptitudes that feel very, um, you know, parts and aptitude uh, clothing. Um, maybe it's less relevant for the aptitudes that feel like aptitude aptitudes. <laughs> all right, thank you for my, for, for that time. All right. Would you have any aptitude building advice specific for students in middle to low income countries who might feel off put by the pressure capability to be able to achieve larger impact when they come from a low to middle income country? Mm. Yeah, I feel like I don't, I, I don't feel like I'm an expert in this area at all. I think, um, yeah, uh, there are probably people out there who have much better thoughts on this. Um, but in general, um, yeah, maybe this is the kind of thing where yeah, I, maybe my instinct is that like this is actually where like credentials or something might actually might go further than like aptitudes mm. because maybe you want to be uh, yeah doing the thing that you can to get like you know recognizable um, organizations or like 
yeah, can you do something with like, um, like, uh, yeah, like maybe like with national government or with like international um, organizations or something um, or multilateral corporations, like things that then might have a lot of cachet. Uh, so that's like, that's like one thought there. Um, but if you're specifically focusing on developing aptitudes, um, yeah, um, yeah, I think I probably don't have any like generalizable advice to all low and middle income countries. Um, probably you know your, the opportunities in your area better than I do. Um, yeah, I could imagine that like some resources for building aptitudes are more location specific um, or and more often expensive, like university educations um, uh, and things that you can do there. Uh, whereas like presumably there's a lot of like other resources that are more freely available. Um, so I guess that's one place to start, but I agree, this is a hard question that I... Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have better answers, put it in the chat and um, help that person out better than I can. Nice. Okay, so one thing you mentioned uh, during the talk was that uh, the aptitude framework felt uh, really motivating, and one reason is that it sort of encourages validation and support people who are um, building aptitudes in the EA community. And yeah, I'm just curious if you have any more thoughts on ways that we can like enhance that validation and support for people who are trying to figure out what they're good at, what they can excel at, and, and how they can eventually use it. Yeah, there was uh, a really interesting thing recently on the forum where like, people were encouraged to write about their jobs, which I think was really nice. And yeah, that was cool. Yeah, it's one of the things that you were talking about with this kind of the externality of like, if you're good at the thing, you can like help others and give them advice. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the sort of like positive reinforcement around uh, yeah, people feeling like they can um, can sort of still be very connected and valued in the EA community for the knowledge that they've got in their particular area sounds really good. Um, I think that a lot of the professional networks around particular uh, like disciplines seems great. Like I really like the EA finance group and there's like an EA medicine or like healthcare kind of professionals group as well. Uh, EA consultants. Um, yeah, these might be uh, like communities where it's yeah you're like kind of connecting with like-minded people feeling like um yeah like there's like events and like newsletters and sort of things that are tailored towards um towards what you're doing and that can help you feel like you're on you know connected with value and like on the right path yeah um i also feel like um i like the i feel like the language of aptitudes is really helpful here because mm -hmm. you can be like i mean be like what are you up to you'll be like well i'm working on becoming like a great organization builder or something mm -hmm. like that um and instead of like well i'm exploring or i'm building career capital which sounds a little bit generic uh -huh. um i'm not sure maybe it's just because it's new and shiny and so then i'm like <laughs> ooh, like that sounds good aptitudes is the new hot thing on the block <laughs> yeah um okay um are you building any aptitudes <laughs> right now <laughs> yeah, so um, I do think that I'm probably putting relatively more emphasis on the like the third stage of the kind of career um, mm -hmm. priorities at the moment. The sort of like is. yes, so this is the like like deploying your skills or doing good. Like um, I think I'm still you know probably not at the sort of you know I've got plenty of plenty of career left ahead of me hopefully. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think we're both in situations where we found uh, hopefully like particularly good opportunities to use the skills that we've already built up already. Um, but at the same time, I think I'm definitely so I'm definitely improving, hopefully, at a bunch of different things. I would say that like right now, I'm much more interested in building my own like knowledge of particular cause areas and like the nuances of arguments in um, yeah, in different things like I'm yeah have particularly been focusing on like you know different arguments for um, whether to focus on long-termism or existential risk and like broad long-termism and like getting a better understanding of like AI timelines and like different causes of risk there um, which I don't know whether that counts necessarily as an aptitude like I am more interested in the um, the knowledge specific stuff right now um, I just feel like there's so much more that I want to learn uh, 
there's a little bit of aptitude building on the side, but not. I think that's not my primary focus, which I think makes me a little bit unusual in both maybe 8,000 hours or like many people in like different organizations that um, like I think it is pretty natural to be focusing on like building particular aptitudes in the job that you're in because you want to get good at the job that you're doing. I just feel like my job and also what I'm hoping to do later on in my career is actually just like the thing that I want to get better at is like knowing a bunch more. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually surprised to hear you say that that's not part of building the aptitude. I mean, it gets, it's not in the, it's not on the list because I'm it's very sure. specific, yeah. but I feel like do, giving amazing career advice is like something that uh, requires a bunch of knowledge. And if you like, yeah, like you can get yeah. a lot better at that by learning more. Yes, I guess so. So it's definitely like a little bit part of it. I actually, so this is one thing I didn't kind of talk on, talk about that much, but um, it is possible that you might, everyone might be wanting to sort of uh, be building knowledge and like networks and connections that also aren't like so specific specifically for your particular job, but also just like more about like staying up to date with stuff that's happening in EA and like uh, the arguments that are uh, that people are having on the forum and um, the latest thinking there. Um, and like for me, I think there's like some chance that that is actually part of the aptitude of the thing that I'm doing because my job is in like meta work. Uh, but I think even if other people, their job is not specifically in meta, I think it also might make them still better at like their impact for the the course of their career if they're also focusing on this kind of like knowledge and like I don't know if it's an aptitude but like aptitude for like seeking impact or something <laughs> uh, yeah there's a bit of a messy uh, answer but um, yes I think I guess the thought is something like for my specific job okay like knowing about a bunch of stuff is actually a pretty useful thing to to do but um, I think it's also just like useful for non ATK careers advisors all right, well, we have 17 seconds left, so okay. I think it's time for us to wrap up. Um, thanks so much, Habiba.